0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of our Talent Intelligence podcast. going to be a little bit about me, a little bit about Solutions Driven, and then we'll quickly get on to our guest for today, Manny Medina, the CEO of, of Outreach. So to start, a little bit about me. I'm the global head of business growth here at Solutions Driven, which is a, a nice way of saying head of sales and, and responsible for all of our clients. Um, solutions Driven are a global recruitment partner. Uh, that serve into the STEM industries. We also launched the category recruitment process intelligence um, in 2020, you know, RPI is the intelligence and the processes that guarantees results to hire the right hire, first time, every time. But enough about me and enough about us. Today I'm delighted to welcome Mani Medina, he's the CEO and founder of Outreach. Uh, as a customer of Outreach ourselves, having recruited for Outreach, you know, I've watched the amazing journey over the past two or three years. And, you know, outreach, have, uh, I've been killing it recently. You know, they've had hundreds of millions of dollars of funding, a 4.4 billion valuation, a true unicorn, you know, paving the way for many companies to to go on that growth journey. And, you know, prior to outreach, managed had a stellar career uh, as well. Um, employee number three, I believe, at Amazon AWS. Uh, and prior to that, also led the mobile division at Microsoft. So today, I am honored to delight and delighted to welcome Manny. Manny, thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the time.
0: So, I mean, Talent Intelligent Podcast, what does that mean? I think today, Manny, I'd love to just get into the mind of the, the talented person that is Manny Medina. You know, you are the leader and founder of, of, a, of a symbolic company now. You know, there are so, so much top talent at Outreach and it'd be really good to understand a little bit about you, a little bit about the company, a little bit about how you hire and, and retain some of this amazing talent and just the future of, of, of the category and indeed Outreach itself. So really looking forward to this and, and get into it. So today, I guess the four areas I'm going to look at would be leadership, um, so important, the the culture and I can't wait to talk culture uh, with you, um, hiring and retaining talent, and then indeed you know outreach outreach and the future of outreach uh, itself. So if we were to start with leadership, you know, what type of employee were you in the early days?
1: You know, I am. Um, I I always felt that my superpower uh, is in is in sort of. Assembling the right team, and, and and it's interesting because now that I have time to reflect as to where my biggest hits have been and where my biggest misses have been and in my entire life, not only my career, has been in the in my ability to sort of like, you know, pick the team. Um, you probably know this. I grew up in Ecuador. Yep. And um, growing up in Ecuador, uh, football or soccer, as called in the US, is very is is big. And I grew up. You know, being in, in elementary school, I grew up, you know, doing my homework as quickly as I could so I can go outside and play soccer with my friends. And the, yeah. the the game of soccer was fascinating to me, but the picking of the team was actually more fascinating to me. So I spent most of the day, like even at school, like they will be lecturing and I will be thinking who my team is going to be that afternoon. And, and it was all because it, it wasn't just picking the best players. It was also picking the right support staff that will wanna play the entire afternoon supporting the best players. You see what I mean? So the whole like misconception of having an A team at all times, is actually a little bit off because what you want is an A team, not an A player. You know, we, we regularly, I regularly pull this off on other neighborhoods. So we will play neighborhood against neighborhood, right? So I live in the street, mm-hmm. And I will go and pick up a, a game with a street over. And as we were doing that, the street over, we'll go try to pick the best player from the two streets over and call somebody, you know, call Juan. And Juan is super good. And I'm going to bring Juan over. Whereas I would think about the team makeup, not just Juan, but like all the people who are supporting the two strikers, who's in the midfield, who's going to be, who's going to be sitting on the back, whose job is just to stop whatever comes through. You see what I mean? So the ability to create the teams based on what you want to get done was was more important to me that picking the, the best and brightest, or even above me playing well. You see what I mean? Like a lot of people would show up in the street and would like just start doing doing some fancy moves to show off their skills. And I would not, you know, I would not be doing that. I would be thinking what my team is going to be and what the structure is going to be of the team. So as I lay that onto my into the rest of my career, it's always been about that, about like who is around me to get the best outcome. Not just about me, but who is who's my team? Like who is who am I going to lean on? to get the best outcome, who's gonna lean on me to get the best outcome, how do I make other people better? So as a, you know, what kind of employee was I? I was an employee that always thought about that. Like, how do I get into a leadership position where I can be, you know, where where I can be part of the team and I can be a team leader and I can pick teams where my talent would, you know, would shine. So, and even as I grew up as a, you know, as a programmer and then I move on to become a manager and a leader, you know, the, the leadership aspect of me was more about this team building and team consistency and letting, then sort of like finding the best environment for that team to grow in. Yeah, so, that has yeah. been sort of my growth as, a, as, a, as an employee in my life in general.
0: And I think anyone that listens to this from Solutions Driven will know as soon as you mentioned soccer, things go crazy for me because that was, that is, that is my passion, you know, and I'm, I'm too old now, I have one knee left, um, but after a, <laughs> after a career in Europe and then 12 years in, in North America, you know, South America, I, I, I totally appreciate the, the love for the game there, and it may only be number two, three, four in, 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 in the US, but growing, thankfully. Yeah, that's but I right. think I, I was the exact same as you, you know, it was always about, you know, how can I influence others around me to get the best result on, on the pitch? And you'll probably like the fact that my launch uh, sales launch kickoff this year i put all my team into the positions on the park and actually gave them all a number and you're the defense <laughs> you are the midfield you are the you are the strikers and right, uh, right. that that got a laugh um in terms of early career you know i i think i can see already and read so much about you know you always wanted to get to that leadership position but there was an was there anyone early in your career that that you looked up to from a leadership point of view,
1: you know, yeah, there's a few, um, two of them in particular. So my 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 last boss at Amazon, um, that that uh, was you know transitioning with me to Amazon Web Services, that was working with me on the S3 pricing and etc. Um, he he was marvelous um, because he, he would smile and make light or even the most tense situation. So Amazon is it's a very hard-charging culture. Um, you know, a lot of people call it a humanizing, but it's not really a humanizing. It's the fact that everybody's a, a top-performing athlete and is expecting the best out of you. And a lot of, you know, feelings and energy sort of like flares up in meetings and so on and so forth. So, you know, in, in light of that, if everybody's type A and super emotional, you know, very little shit is going to get done. Yeah. But you need somebody in that team, in this case, this was my boss, who will like take something and realize that, you know, we're not we're not saving the planet here. You know what I mean? And B, we're probably gonna be wrong because nobody has done this before. Like nobody has taken, you know, storage and price it on a per kilobyte basis. So like chances are we're gonna be off and we got to be okay with that. You know what I mean? And we got to have a good laugh because you know at some point shit is gonna hit the fan, we're gonna learn from it, gonna move on. Right. So like The ability to keep things in perspective and to have a ready smile and a ready joke when things got tense is incredibly powerful in leadership, especially in fast growth leadership, especially when you hire a talented, passionate, and committed team that have a lot of energy and bring the whole cells to work. You gotta be able to, like, you know, sort of bring a good word, you know, a, a calming sentence. The, the sort of the opposite energy to sort of keep things balance and being able to read the room, that was incredibly powerful for him. And I, re- I took that my whole life. And the second one was my, uh, my boss right before I left uh, uh, Microsoft. He's actually in the UK. Um, he taught me the ability to think really big and like, you know, test the edges of your thinking at all times. Because, we you know, we were doing this massive deals for Windows Phone. And as you know, Windows Phone was not flying off the shelf. So we're trying to figure out how do we, you know, create commercial agreements, get aligned with the carriers and lot other things to get this, you know, unit volume to move. Um, and the ability for him to give me a lot of rope and just, you know, expose me to bigger thinking was incredibly powerful, especially now as I come and, and you, know, I, you know, we get to own our own luck. So, you know, we are um, in, in a startup you know, you're always looking for the high beta moment, right? Cause like, you know, even if you're hundred to hundred million dollars, you're still small in the great context of things. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to like, yeah. look for what is, you know, you gotta, you know, gotta put food on the table, but look for the high beta moment that is going to give you the home run again and then do it again and then do it again. So the ability to always think about that was something that I took away from him that, you know, I think every startup founder should, should carry with him.
0: Uh, you know, and a lot of stuff resonates for me there too. I think being a professional soccer player, athlete, you know, you go through, you don't win every game, right? So you win some, you tie some, you, you right. lose some, sometimes you lose a couple. <laughs> and if, if you are high and low, which I've seen this happen to a lot, you know, I've seen people that massively over celebrated and people that got really depressed when, when things were, were down. Right. And I think myself, I was always able to stay the same. I wasn't to say that I accepted defeat, you know, because I hate losing more than anyone or fear failure pretty massively. But I think as a leader, it's a really strong thing to to have, you know, for everyone to look at you and say, you know, you know, something's went wrong here. Manny's calm. Manny's talking about the next thing in the future. I also think, you know, to be successful, you need to celebrate some of those small things, not get too carried away, but you will always have goals and and they'll get bigger and they'll get bigger. I guess that takes me on to to outreach. And I guess the same thing happened in, in previous roles, you, you know, your roles grew and grew and grew, you know, how have you been able to set short and, and long-term goals and and, and manage them?
1: Um, I don't, I don't have an easy answer for you. I, I wish, I wish I did. <laughs> uh, Cause I like, I, I, um, I tend to go into these phases where I over dial in one direction or another. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, if, if I, and a lot of it is, is like, you know, when you're, so let me take a step back. I personally believe, and I may be wrong on this, that there is two types of leaders in, in sort of like the business world. They're the, the sort of like the founder types who not only know how to run the business, but they feel the business. You see what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like oh, yeah. you can feel the storm because your bones ache like that kind of founder. You know what I mean? You can feel the quarter miss three quarters out because your bones ache, you know what I mean? Your back is killing you and you know something is wrong and you can't put your finger on it. So you're gonna dig until you find out. And then there is the, the gal or the guy or the person that sort of like runs it by the numbers but a professional manager, you know, has structures and frameworks and things, went to the best schools and blah, 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 blah. I am the first. Yeah. So I this is why it's hard for me to explain it because a lot of it is is gut feel right so I will I I will I many times go down in tangents of like too long term thinking or too short term thinking yeah and both are and both are useful as long as you have a team that compensates for the other side yeah and and that put, and puts up with your shit so when I go into too short term thinking you know I tend to be in everyone's pants you know I run a lot of you know inspection. Uh, my energy is, is diverted into, you know, getting into everybody's business. And sort of like, I, I call it understanding, but people sometimes don't receive it that way. And, and, and it's fine. But, you know, it, it, that, do you have a, have a team that appreciates you for that? And that sort of, you know, rolls with you and, a co- and and humors you a little bit, but also pushes back and say, look, Manny, I got this. Like, I know you're, you're digging a lot into this, but if I'm going to go do 10 things, I'm not going to get anything else. I'm going to focus on these two. And I know you identify these other eight that are broken. We're not going to do that. You know what I mean? Because we need to get the shit done to be able to, you know, move the ball forward and we'll take care of the other eight later, you know because it's less important. So I also get into too much of a long-term thinking. When that happens, I, you know I tend to sort of divert resources into long-term projects, right? That are so like three, four years out. It turns out we got to push from the table today. You know what I mean? And as a company that is getting, you know more and more public disability, my my ratios have to be right. So I can't just Mm -hmm. burn money without like a good plan to see it pop out on the other end, right? Like I only get like one Kaya every three years or so i mean like i don't get a kaya every year so like (laughs) you gotta really pick those bets and like in that hand on that circumstances i have a team that also rings me in it's like i'm an you know we gotta we gotta invest in the shit that is on on fire right now the things that are gonna put on the table next year and 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 sort of like stop thinking too long term and 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 bring you back in into like you know what's gonna operate the business so i appreciate again i appreciate my team for letting me have i feel like sort of like indiscretions or escapades, where I go off into into both tangents, and they allow me to do it and you know humor myself and my curiosity, but it sort of eventually bring me back and like this is how we're going to run the company. So like it doesn't affect the plan.
0: I, I you know that's so true to me because you know we speak to leaders of um, you know multinational companies, but also startup and scale up companies all the time, and you find companies very early in their journey are doing everything themselves. The founder right. is recruiting, they're selling. They're, you know, they're, they're turning the light off at the end of the night. They're trying to do everything. And it's the ones that can build the best teams around them. Uh, it's the ones that can delegate. It's yeah. the ones that can maybe are worrying about one thing, like you say, when others are worrying about uh, the, the day-to-day and, and the short to medium learn projects. Right. Those are the ones that are truly, truly successful.
1: How do you find let, let me, let confidence me to on. delegate? Let me put a point on that. Um, because it is true that the small companies, you have to do everything. So when I was a, a, you know, really early on as a CEO, the, the CEO job is probably the one of the worst because as a CEO job, you are taking care of everything else, right? So you oh, got a yeah. team of 10. Each team has a, a position, a, a delivery and something to do. And you're doing everything in between, like whatever falls to the cracks do your job, right?
0: Like, so
1: for instance, job. early on, we decided that we really wanted to land DocuSign. And to land DocuSign, we got, you know, we talked to their team and we eventually got to the security team and we got this like, you know, 50 page document on the secure requirements to do business with DocuSign. So I'm like, all right, so that's clearly a barrier. Somebody's gonna do it. It's gonna have to be somebody here. Nobody has a job. So I'm gonna take that job. So I put off my CEO hat, I put on my chief security officer hat and I became the chief security officer for the company for three months. You see what I mean? And and I told everybody, look guys, like, if you need any leadership? you know, any, any rah-rah, you're gonna have to work with each other because I am working on security to get through DocuSign. You see what I mean? Like that's gonna be my job from now on.
0: At and the then, same time, what you've subconsciously done is delegate the business to those guys who have upskilled themselves during that period and right. work together as a team.
1: Right, and so it works both ways, right? Because they, they feel in the power that I'm able to just hand the business to them and they're gonna do well with it. But I also felt better about recruiting than a chief security officer because i have been mm-hmm. in his shoes. And I have, I can talk the language. I feel like every time I do it, I've been able to attract a higher level of talent than if I just like have a job wreck and then you know hope for the best. And that yeah. I did that with security. I done that with HR. I done that in, in finance. I done that in um, in a number of in a number of areas where you know the company needed to uh, a, a sort of like a step change, sort of like uh, you, you need to you needed to build you know muscle mass, like not just you know. You know, the, the, the function, but you need to build the, the function and the process and the rhythms and the accountability, et cetera. So the ability to step in and run it and then hand it over is the most important thing. Now, if you don't hand it over and you over dial in the in the inspection, two things are gonna happen. You're not you're gonna lose your best talents because they're gonna be like, you know, why do you hire me for? And you're gonna burn out. And and this is the interesting thing about burning out is that burning out doesn't show up in any way other than you being miserable making everybody else miserable. Yeah. And then you start losing other people. You're going to start losing your, your bearings, your north, et cetera. So you have to be like, you have to Good cut point. it to be able to do both. That has been my, one, another biggest learning in, in the scaling.
0: Again, awesome point, because sometimes people will just, here is my goal and I will get there no matter what. And, right. and, 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 but you will lose things along the way. Well, yeah. You start losing and, people and what happens is you way. become
1: a little bit more miserable every day and, and like everybody can tell dude. like everybody can like you're not invisible. People know that you're, you know, that you're incredibly hard to deal with and they just don't tell you.
0: Yeah. So I want to maybe talk a little bit around, say, successes versus challenges. So let's start with with the challenges. um you know, you don't get to where you've been, and, and let's just talk about outreach for, for right now. But you don't get from a couple of employees to eleven hundred employees without challenges. W- would you mind maybe sharing one or two of maybe your early challenges in the business, and then mm-hmm. maybe one or two of the challenges now and how they differ? Because the challenges in hiring, for example, early on versus now, it's a completely different it's a completely different game.
1: Um. Jesus, there is a, a catalog of challenges. I'm just, let me just pick a few. So early on, um, I, I feel like one of my one of my biggest challenge, <clears throat> every, one of my biggest challenges was to understand the, the scale I would think break. So not every, so, let's talk about myself, Steve, because that was the first sort of like aha moment for me where we were hustling meetings, everybody was all hands on deck on closing and it didn't really matter territories who had the account, you know, ACV, like none of this stuff matter. Like it mattered that was that we had a huge pipeline and that our number every quarter went up and to the right. So every, every quarter we added 20% growth over the last quarter gross, gross, that gives you over a hundred percent growth. Right. Like, and, and, and it was all like, you know, it was a lot of brute force. It was a lot of like, you know, you know, we got a lot of that dopamine release of like, you know, the 11th hour deal that comes in at like the last day of the quarter at like 10 p.m. And like, we're celebrating. It's all high five. You feel <laughs> really about that? And that's a really bad sign. You see what I mean? And yeah. so what happens is that when the deal comes, when the quarter comes in really hot, and I, I remember talking to one of my investors and advisors, like you're one or two quarters away from missing the quarter. And the moment when you do that, or you slow down, it's a kiss of death because nobody wants to invest in an early stage company that ha- had a slowdown moment because you don't know whether that's systemic, was that executional, or was that the market that is going south? You see what I mean? Like that scares the bejesus out of everybody. So like for the first like <laughs> six, five, or six rounds of funding, you want to be you know clean as a whistle up into the right, no questions, no buts, no, no must. You may be inefficient. You see what I mean? Like there is a lot of forgiveness for being inefficient, but you want, do not want to miss growth. Um, but so I remember one quarter that everything felt hard. And again, this is to my point of like, you feel it in the balance. I didn't have a lot of inspection because we didn't have a lot of telemetry back then, but every, like that quarter just felt hard, came in at the last minute, a lot of deals, you know, you had to do some contortions to get it through. And I remember sitting down with an advisor and being like, you know, you know, this is how i feeling. This is sort of like a little bit of evidence, but I don't have a ton. And he's like, dude, you're about to miss a quarter. And the moment you miss a quarter, you can, you know, it's going to take you a year to turn this around. So like, I panicked. And I started inspecting, and I realized that you know there were just a, a lot of processes that were not following. And that's when I sort of like started upgrading my go-to-market team, and, and you know brings them up brings them up to where we are today. But I feel like um, not enough um, early startups, especially the ones that have product or marketing-driven founders, pay enough attention to the fact that you can't miss growth. Like yeah. you, you can screw up a lot of things, but growth is is that's is you know allows you to play the next game. So. So that's one. The, the, the other one was clearly, um, you know, scaling the people organization. The, um, the, uh, the, uh, I, at some point in, in, the, in the company, you lose the ability. I used to memorize everybody's names and everybody used to be, you know, either in the office or in a place where I can memorize their name. And I think it, the, the trick will well, work well into 200 people. And then it stopped working. And then I stopped losing touch of like, you know, that new employee, that, that frontline person. And you can't right, you can't, right? And and at that point, once you start losing sort of that connection, that's when the infrastructure for talent and culture kicks in. And if you don't have it ready to like snap into place the moment you start hitting that inflection, you're gonna lose a lot of people that don't necessarily you have to. So the ability to like, you know, make every employee heard, make sure that, every, that you understand what makes them tick. Do you want to be a manager? Do you want to make more money? Do you want to, you know, do a yeah. tour of force around the different functions? Like, what you know, what what is your goal, you know, a year two years from now? Like, how are you feeling right now? Do you feel like the company values are aligned with your values? But, you know, those kinds of things, ability to listen at scale yeah. um, is super important to bring in before you need it. You know I mean? Because by the time you realize you need it, it's too late. And you're ready, you know, and you're ready, your chair are already up and you're ready, you know, in, in emergency mode. So that was something that if I were to do it differently, I would start a lot earlier did.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's key. I mean, you clearly had product market fit early on at Outreach. And, and probably knew in your bones, I am on something special here. Yeah. And, you know, and again, not to be cheeky, you could probably bring in decent salespeople who could sell Outreach. You know, right. it, 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 there would have been times where it wouldn't have been difficult to to sell. But like you say, in a moment of success, you achieved a quarter, you panicked, right? And you probably panicked earlier than, than than you should have, and then were able to able to fix it. So what you've actually shown me there is that's a challenge that turned into a success, and I think that's really important because leaders can just say, "Oh, another another quarter of growth, great. Onto the next one," but eventually something would would bite them. I guess that takes me nicely onto the next question. What is your biggest fear as a CEO?
1: Um, you know, the, the, the problem for me is it's actually the opposite in that sometimes I I, come in, I have to pump myself up every morning to come in and, and, and be the CEO of Outreach, because if you look at CEOs of companies my size, um, our trajectory, our growth, our potential, they, they don't look like me. You know, I mean, they're usually born in the US, educated in the US, you know, normally white, et cetera. So like, you know, I don't have a, a ton of like, you know, support network out there to like, make me feel good about myself. Like, I feel like I'm sticking out as, as yeah. somebody who is, you know, when the chopping comes, you know, you know, my, my head will get chopped. Like I, I feel always, <laughs> always it's like, a sense of angst and panic in my gut of like, what am I not thinking about? Like, what am I, you know, the true CEOs out there? What are they doing that I'm not doing? You see what I mean? So like, I don't. I don't so you have. Probably, a lot.
0: You probably fear failure rather than have a biggest fear.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm I mean, general. I'm just, you know, I have the, uh, the 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 constant reminder of of potential failure. The constant reminder of um, of inadequacy. That that on the yeah. one hand, like I have to control because if I let it out of control, I would just sit on the couch and not move. Uh, and on the other hand, like it keeps me real. You know, it keeps me never be full of myself, always questions why the win worked. And if it worked, why are we not doubling down on that? So a lot of, a lot of you know, I, I seen a lot, of, a lot of leaders, you know, do a lot of inspection on what's not working, but you should also do inspection on what's working because if it's yeah. working, you need to, you know, actually increase the investment in what's working to actually accelerate growth. So I always afraid that I'm not thinking about that, that I'm not doing it right that i'm missing something big um so i yeah i don't have a biggest fear it's just every day i have to fight the fear to come into work and and be my best
0: and i you know i I guess a lot of my leadership or what i learned from leadership was from soccer coaches growing up you know that instill that passion that desire that resilience in you you know and then i i think i worked under so many different coaches one would tell you Nicky, work on your left foot because that's not as good as your right then you had other coaches that said forget your left foot you know messi doesn't have a right foot just exactly. keep using the one that the one that works and
1: right the and, running joke was that maradona needed a right foot to get on the bus and off the bus <laughs>
0: he
1: needed it for <laughs> anything else never exactly.
0: used it exactly exactly you know and and let me come back to culture in, in a moment because that is quite clearly one of the biggest things that stands out for me to you and, and, and as a business but let's maybe finish the you know the leadership part around the successes. How do you celebrate success at outreach? Because you've had so many milestones along the way. Your first sale, you know, your first round valuations, winning big clients. Is there maybe one or two even moments that people wouldn't quite realise were, were a big win for you?
1: Yeah, so it, it has changed with the with a size. So we used to have. You know, back when we were up to 200 people, we used to have this sort of like standups on, on, on Fridays where we'll get around as a company and different places around the company we'll get around and, and, and do something called highs and lows. where we will celebrate our highs, like as a team, we'll go around and talk about our highs individually and in, in, in each of the particular teams and toast to them, um, but also celebrate our lows because our lows are learning moments. So lows are For something sure. that you want to get it out there. Like, if, you know, starting, starting a company, starting a company is hard. And even growing a company is hard. So you want to let you know let let out being and be real with each other that you know we had some hard moments and that we learn from those moments. And I want to share them with you so that my burden is a little lighter. So um, as we grew and then and then with COVID, it is becoming a little harder to to really do this true celebration. Yes, we can, you know, we, we have done the the um, you know the company all hands so and we celebrate you know milestones financially or people-wise, etc but we actually feel, I feel like we need to do more in smaller teams. And I, and I'm, you know, the inability to get together in person has put a, a huge damper on those things, because on the, on the one hand, like celebration means I'm going to get you in Zoom and celebrate. But on the other yeah. hand, like, I don't need to put another Zoom meeting in your calendar. So like, how do I celebrate with you when you're not here? You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm a huge fan of being in the moment. Like when I'm having a conversation with you, like I, I want to listen, not only to understand, but I want to listen for one. What, what is not being said right like your your yeah. face like your your posture like like right now you just sat back and like open your shoulders so i know that you're receiving mode like when you lean forward <laughs> you're about to parts some wisdom so like all that is important you see what i mean sure. so and, i'm and going to be watching I, yeah. what
0: i'm doing for the rest of this yeah night.
1: exactly or like where your hands are at or your smile etc so like i have a hard time like being not being present and doing that or assuming it's just like immensely complicated. So anyway, so the short of it is that we're investigating better ways of celebrating in our, in our remote team, um, especially when this, you know, such a, you know, go-to-market-driven culture that we have here.
0: Awesome. Amazing. And t- well, let's talk about that culture. I mean, I think one of the first parts of that culture is just the commitment to, to DE&I. You know, I read something last year, and I'll, I'll maybe get the words wrong, but, you know, bring your whole self to work. Um, not just part of that. And, and I love yep. that. You know, I think that so, you know, we have a uh, an HR and, and TA network that's maybe got 75 of our HRT leaders that all come together. It arrived through COVID when a lot of people started to ask, well, how are other companies dealing with hiring for diversity and yep. mobility? And, you know, we were very siloed with clients, but then all of a sudden everybody wanted to share ideas and collaborate. And it's been it's been amazing. One of our first guests was um, around diversity and we ended up hiring this individual as our Chief Diversity Officer. That's awesome. And it, and it, and it was not just, you know, okay, everybody's talking diversity, let's, let's do this. It was, you know, I want to grow, we want to grow our, ourselves and let's go on this journey with, with clients together. And, and it's been amazing hearing how different people talk about diversity, the impact to their business you know, starting to hire for diversity or high potential and how it opens up the talent pools and gets people thinking differently. You know, it, it's been an amazing year for me of learning when it comes to, to diversity. You know, talk to me a little bit about bring your whole self and what that means to you.
1: So I fundamentally don't believe that I'm just hiring your hands and your head for the problem at hand for the eight hours that you're gonna supposed to be at work or in Slack or whatever. Yeah. I, I fundamentally believe that our best hires are the ones who own the problem and they take it home with them. They think about it in the shower, think about it in the morning, think about, you know, I, I, I just came back from two weeks in Italy and I spent I think a third of my time getting my six month old to sleep. You know what I mean? In the afternoons, I would take these hour long walks just to give my my wife some reprieve to get take take a long nap and I'm just walking the bay to sleep. And what am I doing? I'm solving problems. So I mean, I'm on vacation, but I'm solving a problem. It's a problem. There's a nut that I need to crack that I, you know, didn't get to crack during the weekend or the when I was here, and I'm solving it in Rome while I'm walking my my daughter to sleep. And I feel like our best employees do that. They they bring their problems home, and because they bring their problems home, I cannot pretend that I'm not allow them to bring their worries, their social worries, their their, their social, uh, you know, um, their their, their their social energies into work as well. And 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 I feel like what we need to set up is a constructive dialogue for people to to bring those things to bear, to, to be heard, to be seen, but not yeah. to say you can't bring it. I think that's just ridiculous. I mean, you're, you're you're hiring a whole human being. You should you're getting a whole human being. And the more that you allow the, the sort of this whole conversation to happen in a constructive and positive and energizing way, I think that's going to be a true differentiator. So yeah. you know, I'm yeah. doing it because that's how I behave. That's how my co-founders behave. That's how we behave all the time. Uh, But I will also do it in Salesforce because I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a differentiated advantage. You know, when you are in a world where, you know, the the CEO of Coinbase comes out and says that you can only talk about work at work. I'm like, great. I just can't wait to go push your employees. And I tell them, like, you want to show up your whole self at work? You come and work for us. You see what I mean? Like, so the ability for me to, like create differentiation around you know, what do we represent is powerful in the marketplace. As you know, oh the category building, is not about being better, it's about being different. Yeah. So I'm not gonna get into the same rat race of like, oh, I'm gonna pay a lot of equity, I'm gonna pay a lot of money, and like, you, you, know, you, can, you can drink all the beer you want, but you don't have, never have to come into work or blah, blah, blah. blah. You know, I'm gonna be different by saying you can bring your whole self to work and you can find here a, 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 a group of people that wants to talk about the things that are important to you outside of work. Yeah. so that you can get better ideas so you can grow as a human being not only as a professional and I think that's that's just powerful
0: and I think you know I heard the saying before as well get comfortable being uncomfortable and I think you are more than happy to say the uncomfortable things and that probably you know gives the freedom to your own employees to be able to do that also and talk about the things they maybe once didn't want to talk about when they see you leading from the front the way you do
1: yeah no I, exactly and so at the end of the day, you know, I'm hoping that I'm cultivating a thousand CEOs here that they're all going to grow and to be leaders in their own way, in their own kind, uh, whether it's here or somewhere else. And by doing so, I feel like I'm 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 moving humanity forward because the, the the future of of work is going to be this, right? It's going to be you know, you know, people bringing the whole self to work and sort of moving the uh, moving the, uh, the the ball forward in terms of uh, efficiency and, and innovation for our customers.
0: Yeah, and I so, and I think it's clear to see. You know the way that this filters down through through the organization you know I follow so many people at outreach Tom Castley, Mark Cogle you know Caitlin Kelly Sam Nelson um, Max Altshuler, Anna Baird you know they just constantly day after day pump out amazing material you know yep. but it's so so authentic and you've really created this environment of self self-improvement coaching you know mentorship, and obviously, having worked with, with with some of those teams to to hire for some of those teams as well, there's a, a clear criteria for people that that fit into that. You know, how how have you got there? I know you've put good people in place, but you know, how have you got such a strong culture at outreach?
1: I, I don't, you know, I don't know because I don't know the uh, the, uh, the counterfactual, right? Like, how, how would I not? Do this, I, 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 you know, this is, this is a little bit how I operate. So this is like what I was saying, like you know, a lot of founders like me run by instinct. Like this is, you know, I just, I just want to work at a place where I'm surrounded by people that I admire and respect and fill me with energy. Yeah, and I have higher accordingly. And they have hired accordingly, and they continue to hire accordingly. And now, the only thing that I've been missing in the past is sort of like a system to inspect that that is actually happening across the organization. As we have an office in Prague, in London, Atlanta, in Indianapolis, etc. Like we're, we need to be able to 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 make sure that that is happening at scale, so that we don't lose that thread. But outside of that, um, you know, it's a lot of the storytelling. It's a lot of being out there and 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 see, and, and leading from the front and being the and, and, and embodying. You know the culture that you want to drive um and, and to be frank I'm not, I'm not sure at what scale does it break I'm, I'm sure at some point it does and i'm gonna have to you know change the mo of what i'm doing but so far it's working and uh, there's no reason to stop
0: you mentioned yeah. earlier you know i like my employees to take the problems home my wife would probably say the opposite right i've got a two-year-old and a, and a six-year-old and when i finish work she would love nothing more than my phone t- to go away now that doesn't happen you know okay. i do take it home and coach soccer as well, so I'm just constantly thinking about about something, and you know, I, you start to read more around. Or I, you know, I read something last week around resilience. You know, you, typically people that are successful are, are resilient, and they think, you know, I'm just going to punch through this little challenge. I'm going to work that extra hour. I'm going to work that extra day. But there's a real balance between resilience versus recovery. And you've also just mentioned. You've been to Italy for two weeks and I highly doubt you turned the phone off for two weeks, but you know how important is that work-life balance? How do you get that you know, balance between people going above and beyond, but also making sure they're in a good space?
1: You know, my mom told me really early on that relaxing is just changing the activity. It's not doing nothing. Like a busy mind like yours or mine would not just do nothing. Like you will yeah. fill that with something else. And, and the trick is to fill it with a different kind of activity that allows you to tackle the problem from a different angle. You see, I mean, like what you're doing, if you bring your phone home, all you're doing is continuing to react to the, to the cacophony or shit that is coming your way. And you may want to stop that and work on something a little bit bigger, but like pick yeah. a problem and noodle on that in the quiet of your brain, in the quiet of your kids and the quiet, like, I'm not saying do not be present. I'm saying in the mind, the times in which your mind is wondering a little bit, focus your... You're wondering into this particular problem and, and, and wonder in this problem. That's what I did when I was in it. I actually deleted my Slack, I deleted my LinkedIn, and I deleted my email, and now that's it. I kept my text going because every once in a while I would have a really good idea <laughs>
0: that's important here
1: that I really wanted to share with somebody. But it limits, you know, the amount of communication and back and forth you can do. I, I did bring a notebook that I filled with ideas. You know, what I mean, so I always had a notebook and a pen at hand. So whenever something, you know. The, the inspiration happened, I could sit down and write it at length, long form with your hand, doodling with it, charts and everything. And that's what's important. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's the ability to, to to shift how you're tackling a problem. Exactly.
0: Uh, I'm, right. a, I'm a doodler. I'm definitely a exactly
1: exactly. Exactly. So like, you know, um the, the other thing that I found powerful is keeping keeping a little journal. You know, if you wake up in the morning, you know, before you know, a lot, the, the initial condition of your day determines the rest of your day. So if you start your day, jumping right into the pool of, of the cacophony, you're just gonna swim in it. Whereas you start your day prioritizing, thinking big themes, thinking big things about for you personally, for the business, for your family, that will set the Love day. That. That, will, that will allow you to prioritize your day. And
0: Again, your I, day. Got, I got some amazing advice from, from a coach. I think back at back at UNLV, you know, where I when I went to school uh, in Vegas, and one of the things he said to me is, "Nicky, you will be a coach one day or or a leader one day." My biggest advice is, whether it's myself or whether it's someone else, a session that you're part of, if you enjoy it and the team enjoy it and it goes well, go home and write down what what you've done that was good. Yeah. So you know, for maybe ten years, I wrote down every session that I thought was good you know, why we did that, who we were playing against, you know, the, the successes out of that. And I ended up with this huge Bible. You now I always thought I was going to be a soccer coach, not a recruitment sales leader. Right. And, and, um, but again, it set me up for, for lots of success. And I think the same can be said now in sales. You know, I think people are acting differently, you know, and I'm coming on now to the talent side of things is, you know, talent is changing. It's evolving. You know, if you look at the SDRs now versus the SDR 10 years ago, they all want to be the best SDR in the world. They are social, they're out there, they are doing podcasts, you know, they are learning the methodologies. You know, I think it's amazing, it's amazing to see, but it's the ones that are doing that little bit extra are the ones that are getting ahead. And and that's what I was going to ask you. You know, in terms of when we look now at talent, hiring for talent in the early days of outreach is very different now. I'm sure you were in all of the interviews at the beginning and learning yeah. everyone by name and learning about their families. You can't do that now. Has that been a struggle for you? Um, a
1: little bit. It has been a struggle, you know, in the sense that um, I, I missed the idea, actually funny, I missed the ability to sell outreach, you know, to, to, uh, to, uh, to an individual, like personally, yeah. like, you know, to you like changing, so outreach as a career choice. You see what I mean? As opposed to so I reach as, a, as a solution. So I, I miss that a lot because, you know I love talking about the company. So, and, and I feel like my pitch to investors, you know resonates well also with individuals because, you know, they're investing their career and their life in it. So I miss that quite a bit. Um, I, I do think that it will be untenable for me to continue to do this, you know, at scale. Um, and, and, and continue to be a leader. So there's a lot of picking the fights and 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 figure out what is the most you know what is it the highest impact you know activity that I can take for the company. Uh, I think recruiting for sure it is, but I can't do it at scale. So I have to figure out like where do I dig in, right? Like what what are the right levels, what's the right seniority that I can go make an impact. But the, the thing that is important to me though is to stay with the the fresh class of people that are joining to make sure that we impart that. That culture that we impart, sort of from my point of view, you know, what is that we're here to do, and why are we going to do it, and you know, how we're we going to how we're we going to play with each other, you know, the kind of the kind of team that you just joined, and 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 where we're going to get that.
0: You know, I think, and this is where again I, I see so much synergy and 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 how we operate versus how how you operate. You know, when I first joined, it was just listening to the CEO talk about the company because I was like yeah. recruitment. There's there's thousands, there's hundreds of thousands of recruitment companies globally you can't do what you say you're going to do, you know, and, but, you know, when you join and you realize that's actually happening, you know, and then you see the passion that the owner has for the business, it's infectious. And, you know, a a lot of the salespeople get the CEO on on the call, right. I'd love the CEO to speak to the client because they'll sell this for me easy, you know, and I think it's, again, that trickling down and really setting the standard, especially when you create a category, what does it stand for? What do we stand for? Where are we going and I think that's something that you see with a lot of the successful companies, the the gongs, the drifts, you know, the outreaches, they all sing from the same hymn sheet, you know? Yeah. I was I was going to ask you, and maybe some of your early hires, and I won't ask you who your best hire ever was. Right? I don't, <laughs> want to put you on, don't want to put you on the spot. Um, AJ Fortner said that it was him. But uh, anyway. Of course, of course. What, what are maybe the one or two traits that you think, you know, the difference between, I guess, great, or good talent and really, really great talent?
1: You know, assuming all else is equal, one of the things I look for, so there's two things that I look for. One is energy. So you could be a great, you know, positional player. You could be a great leader in terms of like running the ships on time and getting a team to deliver. But can you impart energy to the people around you? Not just your team, but your peers and your superiors. Yeah. That, is, that is a unique trade because you know energy is it's a bit of a it's a balance sheet. You know there will be people who are energy high, there are people who are neutral, and there are people who will suck the energy. Yeah. And the people who suck the energy, you know, you, sometimes you may need a few here, but if you're not net positive in your balance and been net positive by a lot, you know, you will start feeling it. You know, it, it will start draining the organization. I remember we hire um, one of our early executives that was sort of like low energy and in a way that sort of took a little bit from everybody else and i remember taking a trip and uh, you know leaving the office for like about a week and i got a note from my co-founder being like dude like the energy is gone and i feel like shit. better do something about that and i and i just remember that distinctly and that and that there was nothing wrong per se it just didn't feel the same you know what i mean and and um you know, a lot of, we're, we're instinctual animals. So like a lot of people are gonna operate by feel. So you have to be, make sure that you have a net positive balance of energy in whoever you bring. So that, you know, if somebody slips in who doesn't have the energy or, or, or sucks the energy out, but you still need that individual, you know, on a net basis, you're, you're, you're ahead. The second thing is that I tend to hire people who need a win, an unequivocal win on their terms. They will do anything to get that win on their terms. And not just winning for, you know, at all costs. It's winning on their yeah. terms. You know, winning with style. Like, like in, 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 in as seen in Brazil, you see in Brazilian soccer, it's important that you you play beautifully. Not just yeah. you win, but you play beautifully. And then in Brazilian press, you, you've also seen that if you win, but you don't play beautifully, you get panned by the press. The press yeah. was like, that, that's, that's not our game. Absolutely. You know, you win, but you didn't win, Brazil win. You
0: see I mean? that may be how argentina do it but not how exactly
1: do. or like germany can you know win with a positional game and the structure right but in brazil you need to it's flair right if you're not there's no jogo bonito there's no win right so like which i i love to play play with people that that want to win on their terms with style with panache with like perfection with that even though they may have a win from the past they want to win they want to do it you know in in with their own canvas you know i mean they're artists in their own craft and, and they want to win under their them. So those are my favorite hires because they, they, you know, they self-perform and they make everybody perform better.
0: And, and that's, it. you know, what, what, what you see in spades outreaches outreach is people coming in at an SDR, for example, and they grow and they grow and they grow and they, grow and they learn because they're learning from, from amazing leaders. And, right. I, I, you know, I, I, I guess I wonder back to the early days of the first couple of SDRs coming in or the first couple of leaders, they must have had that energy. You know, and and really, they've just paved the way, and now it's almost like a machine in a certain way. But I guess, right. I guess, to you need to evolve as well. You know, and I think if I just look at sales, you know, you've been in business development and sales. I guess that's my area. You know, what what? How do you see that evolving? You know, have you have you seen the characteristics of good salespeople two or three years ago change to now?
1: Oh, for sure. I think that. I think the instinctual sales leader that sort of wins by bravado and, and force and their contact book, then it's gonna go away. I think that sales is gonna be a game of, of intelligence, a game of data, a game of, um, a game of you know, AI and prediction and, and using more signals than you had before to be able to maximize you know, not only growth and performance but the performance of the individual. I think that the new rep who will become the new team leader, who will become the next manager, who will become the next VP, is somebody who's gonna expect high performing, you know, technologically savvy organizations that have a lot of intelligence and data and insights at the fingertips to operate faster. I don't think that, 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 I think that ship has sailed. And I think that the, the, the big tsunami that is coming to all of us is the fact that the Gen Zers, the Zoomers are 24 year olds. Twenty-four years old, so they're all SDRing right now. Some of them are elites in USDR organization.
0: They're yeah, the future what? leaders.
1: They are your future leaders, and they will not, they will not stand for low tech, you know, bravado. You know, what worked in the past is going to work today. Let me read your old playbook that I used ten years ago. You know, to get a thousand dials a day and that's going to get you over the line. Like that's just not going to work. Like you, yeah. you, 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 you will get. Sort of what in, in chess used to be called a centaur, that somebody who took the power of all the machines and the humans to drive incredibly high performance and those people are unbeatable.
0: Yeah. And then I guess the last question around talent really is then how do you retain them? You know, because what you maybe find with a company like Outreach, the people that are in early and they grow and they grow and they grow, some like the growth. Some some like the early growth. And yep. it's inevitable you lose good people along the way. People are going to offer them a lot more money to come and, hey, come and help me start this new new rocket ship. Yep. I mean, how, how have you tried to protect your top talent?
1: You know, there's two answers to that. And this is a fairly complicated question, especially in this time of COVID. And, you know, that everybody's going through the, the great migration of, you know, everybody's changing seats to some degree. Um, but there's two answers to that. First of all, is that, um, you have to bet on people for who they're going to become, not who they are right now. And that is a, a significant shift, right? Because every performance software or framework measures what they have done in the past yeah. and extrapolates what they're going to do in the future. And the easiest thing to say is that you're going to have the same job, but more of it. You're going to have the same job by be a, a leader. You're going to have the same job of being this and that and the other. As opposed to like, what is your true potential and how does that potential align with your desire and then solve for that? You know what I mean? Very yeah. few people do that. Even in my organization, I'm not going to claim that I'm perfect, but very few of our managers do that, you know, and get, let people in, and, allow, and allow ourselves the ability to take risks with individuals based on their future performance, which is yeah. a bet, yeah. right? And their desire state, which is also a bet. So that is, you know, whoever cracks that at scale is going to, win the talent war, uh, you know, straight up. And that I said,
0: that you know, you hard also hard. have to like,
1: you know you can't over over dial for retention. Like this is not, you know, this is, retention is only good as you're, you know as, as, you're, as you're happy, the player is happy, the individual is fulfilled and, you, and you're getting the best out of the person and the person is getting the best out of you. It's a trade, right? You come in and be like, you know, we're gonna grow. You're gonna have fun. You're gonna be motivated by other people. The moment that stops and we fail or they fail, then yeah, you gotta be able to let it's go. This is, yeah, this is inevitable, and 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 dealing with that is healthy with the organization. Like, yes, of course, it's higher. It's hard to like, you know, replace a person with a new person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like, if we're all playing the long term, you gotta play with individuals that are gonna play within the long term.
0: And I think, like you said, that sometimes opens the door for the next person to fill the role that that takes that step up in their career, that, that, that achieves their potential. And I yep. think again, you see the 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 growth within the organization that that's huge. You know, and when people see, you know, I'm not just always going to be an SDR or a sales leader, I can go here, I can go there, you know, internal mobility now is, is, is so important. Um, but hiring for potential is one of the reasons why I think we have been so successful. It's not just, I'm looking for the exact same carbon copy person again, because not every SDR or sales leader you hire is, is the exact same. They all bring something unique and, um, you know, assessing for high potential is difficult but it's possible but it's taking i guess a a little bit of a calculated risk there is where companies like yourself really you know really do well
1: right Um, and 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 so it's not just hiring it's retaining for high potential right so like you got you have to assume that every x many months you know the contract is up and like we have to fall in love again with individual individual might have to fall in love again with us and like you know we talk about again their potential not what they have performed because so if all you're doing is tracking current performance, you may get the wrong read and the individual will leave. And, that, that, and that's what's hard.
0: Yeah, awesome. So a couple of, couple of last questions, you know, I'll skip a couple, but, you know, in terms of in creating outreach, you, you, you stood for something, you know, and you really defined the category. You're, yeah. you're by far the, the leader of the category. What do you see as next for, you know, for, for the category and, and, and for outreach? You know, and, and is what you stand for now different from then? Yeah. So
1: we stand for the end user, for the, for the rep, for the manager, for the people who have to deliver the goods and they have to, you know, put in the time and effort to deliver those that performance. Those, you know, deliver the meetings, deliver the revenue, deliver the retention, the app, the cross-sell, etc. cetera. So we always, that's our true north. We always stand for them. You know, the individual, the, the manager, the VP, and solve for them. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to you know, solutions like CRM that have started with you know, the CIO and the, and the VP and sort of work their way down. We we'll always start with, you know, what is the individual, what is a workflow individual is doing in that particular to get their job done? What is their yeah. job to be done? How do we achieve that? How do we make that better? How do we make that more efficient to scale it? Um, the category will grow from being a sales engagement to being engagement and intelligence around anything that is customer facing. And, and the, one of the one of the sort of onset assumptions about category creation is that category creation is something that you do with regularity. If you don't redefine your category to be something else, somebody else will, and will be the something, new category creator. Yeah. So you have yeah. to be on yeah. top of it. So if you create the category, guess what? Congratulations, you get to do it again, but a bigger scale with you know more risk, and then you get yeah. to do it again, and that's it. that's the name of the game. And if you're not in that game, then you're gonna get you know over, overshadowed by somebody else.
0: Awesome. I mean, I read the the. The the piece that Mary Shea um, put out, I think just just last week, you know, and, yeah. and on that you say, put the customer first. You know, the ones that are really into the data, into the intelligence, into the insights, put their customer first are the ones that are going to to be the winners out of this, you know, because that's that that's the way forward. And I think you guys have done that done that in spades. Look, I I think I could go on and talk to you for for hours, Manny. I think we need to book another call just to talk soccer at, at some point. Um, so I think that's. I think I I won't uh, keep you for, for too much longer. But thank you so much for for all your time. It was an absolute pleasure. I, I you know I think we now see the brilliant mind that is is Manny Medina and how this rocket ship that's outreach has got to where it's got to. And and I'm very excited to see you know the next thing that comes from you guys because every year you launch seem to launch something else that's that's huge. Kaya is obviously massive. Um, any any sneak peeks into the future?
1: Uh you know, we, we got a, a, a big platform announcement coming up in, in October that again is gonna redefine the game of how do we take how do we how do we go to marketing, how do we scale our teams and, and, and get them to produce better and more and be happier with with how they do it. So uh, you know stay tuned for a, a, a late October announcement.
0: Awesome. Well you you've got my money already. You're probably going to get more of it <laughs> and uh, you know hopefully we can continue to help hiring you, high potential, top talent, uh, people into the organization. But thank you so much today, Manny. It was an absolute pleasure. It was an honor.